The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen up. What would they have? I do always love, you know, one of the things about living in a casino town, I always love just any ad for some just desperate, you know, tribute band or something back, you know, trying mm-hmm. to hark to a day, you know, some, you know, glory days before. And it's like, uh, what did I see? It was like, four, you know, the number four and then the letter N and then R. It's like four and R. <laughs> And it's like, yeah. we play Foreigner's greatest ballads and hits. And I'm like, oh my God, the, you know, tickets only 35 bucks. I'm thinking 35 bucks to go see someone imitate Foreigner. That's, I'm good. <laughs> but whatever, to each their own, right? Yeah, I don't know why the why the uh, the, the Pearl Jam tribute acts don't, you know, tour the uh, the casino circuit. See now, see right now, I'm being hypocritical because I'd sure I'd go see those. I'd, I'd go see, I'd go see <laughs> any one of those guys right here. I mock it, and it's like, oh, what, forty bucks to go see Black Circle? Okay, yeah, I'm I'm there. I'm done. I'm down. That's yeah, funny. see, that's what they that's what they need to do. Right. Everybody, you know, everybody else is doing it. The the Beatles tribute acts or Led Zeppelin's and ACDCs. They just opened a show down here, which I don't know if this is funny or great. It's actually supposed to be okay. But it's called 27, and so it features everyone that's died at 27. So there's oh, really? a Jim Morrison guy, an Amy Winehouse girl, um, a Jimi Hendrix guitar guy, a uh, – did I already say Jim Morrison? There's a Jim Morrison guy. There's a Kurt Cobain guy. Janis Joplin. There's a who? Janis Joplin? Yep, yep, yep. There's a, yeah, there's a woman that does Janis Joplin. And then – so it's, yeah, I think it's two – is it Joplin and Amy Winehouse? It's like two women and then like four dudes. And I'm like – Wow, like what I really want to go see. <laughs> How tragic is that, right? <laughs> yeah. The twenty. I'm I'm watching up the twenty seven tribute. All these people that have you know passed on tragically. Wow. Yeah, I remember like because uh, you know I was a kid when that happened when uh, with uh, Kurt Cobain and being kind of like, oh man, he's he's a grown up, right? And then you know being in my forties now, it's kind of like, oh, twenty seven. That's nothing. That's you're a dumb kid you know at least i was when i was 27 it's like oh my gosh it's it's yeah it's it's, tragic it is tragic because you're thinking god i like i don't think i was ever uh that close but maybe i was closer than i thought and you know who knows but Mm -hmm. it's like oh my god yeah it's 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 crazy what was it i realized like elvis was only like 42 when he died and i'm like really i always i think i figured elvis was like you know in his mid to late 50s he was like 42 and i'm thinking damn that's that's crazy because he looked real bad for 42. Oh shit, that's me now. Uh-oh. Welcome to season eight, episode 21 of the Better Band Podcast, an all encompassing trip through every song in the Pearl Jam catalog. I'm your host, Brandon Palomo. Each episode, I go track by track with a guest through every album, soundtrack, single, and B side to discover why you simply. Can't find a better band. Welcome back to the Better Band Podcast. This is Brandon today talking about the song Reach Down featured on the 2003 fan club single with guest Bob Remington. Hello, Bob. Brandon, how are you? I am well. How about you? I'm doing excellent. Thanks so much for having me back to talk about Reach Down. This is I love this song, so let's I lo- let's let's get into it. All right. Uh this was written by Chris Cornell because this is a Temple of the Dog song, which I guess Temple of the Dog performed 
this this song that was released on the fan club single like i said uh it was performed october 28th 2003 at the santa barbara bowl as part of a true not a tribute but uh, i don't know if it was a charity event or something it was it was uh at the lewis warshaw prostate center at cedar sinai um johnny ramone at the time uh had uh cancer and was uh dying and so they uh performed this song sort of in his honor or they performed this concert in his honor there was a bunch of guests there uh jack iron showed up and played drums and a couple songs uh jack johnson was there john frusciante showed up at the end and uh chris cornell of course uh was there as well played some uh solo songs by himself and then they played some temple of the dog songs this one and then i believe hunger strike and is that it or did they also do say hello to heaven i don't remember oh now you're gonna make me look it up no i didn't mean to but anyway yeah no, that's all right. <laughs> i should uh i should have i should i should have my uh my tabs open <laughs> right uh it was just this it was just hunger strike in this hunger strike in this okay all right yeah cause you, get, you gotta do hunger strike if you got chris cornell there right exactly exactly you know this uh and it's a little weird. I mean, I know that, you know, this is specifically, this episode's about this, the fan club single, but they've only played this song. I, it's misleading. It's like, sometimes it sounds like it was three times. Sometimes it sounds like it was two times, depending on what they call a show, what they don't call a show. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is one of those ones that, I mean, I don't know. I would really, I'd love to see them play this song now because it's essentially is a Pearl Jam song, you know, with, with Temple of the Dog and just Chris, you know, in the same spirit of, you know, when they occasionally do, you know, Crown of Thorns, Chloe Dancer, Crown of Thorns, mm-hmm. you know, it'd be it'd be cool if they would, uh, it'd be great because this song is, no matter what version you hear of it, to just hear, you know, Mike McCready just channel something so evil and sinister. I don't know what he is, you know, exercising from his body when he plays the, the solos in, in this song, but it is, uh, it, it's deep. <laughs>
I think at um, official Pearl Jam shows, they've played it, I think, like five times. But then there's like Temple of the Dog shows. Right. Or like Chris Cornell shows. Right. Where they've, where they've played it. So, I mean, the total count is... Right. Yeah, is exactly. Mileage may vary. Yeah. It's... Um, the uh, you know you you know that that tour that Temple of the Dog did in 2016 you know that you know they have recordings of all those shows it'd be great if they'd release those bootlegs someday because you you know I'm sure it's give or take a body or two it's essentially Pearl Jam's crew with each guy having their own guitar tech and everyone you know and all the audio people so mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm sure those recordings of those that tour exists it'd be great if they if they release those because I'm sure there's some, yeah. I haven't really realized since I started listening to those podcasts. Uh, you know what a loss you know is to not have Chris Cornell because I didn't I never was really a mm-hmm. huge Soundgarden fan. I mean I, I kind of liked them musically, but honestly Chris Cornell's vocals were kind of one of the things that turned me off. And and now in the later years I realized that was an instrument in itself. And it's a uh, bummer. Yeah. Yeah. I think on the um, let's see what was it the Temple of the Dog reissue super deluxe sort of thingy that they did uh yeah the dvd in it and i know that's got some performances um from pearl jam 20 it looks like wow along with this song one of the versions they did that and um what was it the off-ramp i guess it was probably the like the like first uh temple of the dog show which was i believe before the october 22nd pearl jam show because i think that was I think I, I, I'm probably wrong about that too, but I thought that that Temple of the Dog show happened, you know, in that December when they were recording. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that could be, yeah. Yeah, it, I, have, I, I have it. I just haven't, I haven't uh, popped in the, the DVD for some reason. Damn it. <laughs> wow, I'll have to get that. Right, exactly. No, I didn't, I didn't know that it was out there. I'll have to get that. I did, yeah, I, I, I think I just figured it's like, ah, it's probably all on YouTube. I can search for it. People, people do that, right? Right. Oh, yeah. On, on occasion. On occasion. Yeah. <laughs> on occasion. But it's, so anyway, it's, the song is, you know, it's, it's, it's my, I think it's my favorite Temple of the Dog song. Yeah, I think, you know, Hunger Strike just kind of got ingrained into us all. I, I do like uh, Wooden Jesus, but um, yeah, I think, yeah, Reach Down is really just, it's a great, so musically good. And like I said, the way Mike goes off, it's just, uh, I can just feel my eyes roll back in my head almost every time I'm listening to it. <laughs> Everybody. This and Say Hello to Heaven were the two songs Chris Cornell wrote after the passing of Andy Wood. And so then uh, we wanted to get together with the other Mother Love Bone guys. And they said, hey, we have our own sort of new thing. And why don't you play with us and we'll just do a whole tribute to them. And that's how you get, uh, that's how you get Temple of the Dog. Yeah, you know, I was just, I was watching a little bit of that Pearl Jam 20 earlier in the week, kind of getting ready for this. And, you know, you're reminded when you see Chris Cornell talk about how bizarre it was that all these bands at that time were just helping each other out, hanging each other's posters up where, you know, if you were in LA at the time, you know, all these people would be pissing on people's posters, trashing their gear, Mm -hmm. doing all, you know, whatever. And these guys were just all so, and I think that, you know, you're, you, 
you get the sense that Chris Cornell was very much behind that community spirit, everyone helping a hand rather than trying to just be so independent and tear each other down. And, you know, you hear stories all the time of, you know, people in like, you know, the Holly, the LA club scene at that time, just, you know, fight after fight after fight. And I mean, that was, that was what was making the news, right? And, you know, mm-hmm. Motley Crue gets in a fight with this guy, but I, there was such a communal spirit in the Seattle scene. I think that, um, you know, you have Green River splits off into Mother Love Bone into Mud. You know, there's so many roots and just so many, it's so intertwined. It's um, fascinating. It's just really cool that they were able to work together and not apart from each other. Yeah, I think it's it's a lot of, at least the L.A. thing is probably because all the eyes are on them. You know, that's where the record industry was and stuff like that. So, like, they're all sort of competing for fame and recognition and everything like that while you know everybody's up in seattle and you know they're kind of oh you know we're all in this together we're all just you know having fun doing our thing and i don't think that they really cared or thought that anybody would care about them until you know then the record company started coming there and everything and i don't know how much that changed the attitude of them i don't know if it was more sort of like we're still you know we're gonna turn and we're gonna be band against band where it could have been sort of like you know well we're the bands against everyone else who are you know coming in here now we gotta fight to protect ourselves you know we gotta you know people are like oh we gotta dress grunge and stuff i was like oh geez you know people are you know we're wearing our clothes and people are you know we're gonna make up slang because they you know we're trying to come in here and everything like that right right well and it's also it's the difference between i suppose 80s Hollywood cocaine compared to you know, <laughs> 80s Seattle heroin. You know, it's like <laughs> it's, it's it's the painful difference between the two, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, that could probably have something to do with it too. <laughs> yeah, one's one, one's more of a communal sharing, and the other one's more of possession is nine tenths of the law. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that took a dark turn, but yeah, that's uh, that's yeah. Yeah, let's see this um. The song on the on the Temple of the Dog uh, recording. This is the one where uh, you got a you got a five minute solo there, yeah, like in the uh, in the middle, and then a, like a two minute solo at the to to, to end it. And uh, this is where like Mike loses his headphones as he's uh, as he's playing guitar during the recording, right? Yeah, that was the second solo, I think, right? And yeah, he's just it's and I'm pretty sure I would imagine every time he plays this, he plays that on his uh, tele, on his uh, Stratocaster. I'm sure. It sounds like that. Yeah, yeah, like pretty much like all the videos you can find online is he's got that uh he's got that sixty strat. Yeah. Uh let's see, this is uh Chris Cornell said about the song is he uh wanted this to be one of those Neil Young songs where it was a, one ludicrous jam, the exact opposite of that punk rock thing. Well that's I mean that's a great description of it because that's what it that's what it is. I mean, it's uh it sounds I imagine it was pretty close to, you know. I can't imagine that this, this. There was a lot of takes to this. Maybe there were. I don't know. It, um, it sounds like they're just all in there, just rocking it out together. Yeah, and especially I think like this version, and then you know other later versions after Matt Cameron has been in Pearl Jam and stuff. You can really, you know, when they go off like into the jam and stuff like that, it's you know Matt is going crazy right. on it. Jeff's going crazy. Stone will hop in and do some you know things, and it's just real tight and it's real jammy and it's it is like it's like oh man this is like just i think made so much better by you know them being a band than yeah. you know kind of in the beginning where it's kind of like oh yeah kind of played together a little bit and 
kind of threw it together. I mean, like everybody was still good at what they did, but it's it's got a real the real locked in in the in the later uh and the later live performances and stuff that that uh, you can see on YouTube and stuff. Yeah, they, that's I mean that's been the greatest part for well one of the greatest parts of the evolution of the band is just to really learn to uh, appreciate that jam you know that they do whether it's you know you know I mean they, I, I I didn't used to think much about porch until recent years when I've seen it's like God they're really just they're they're going places here in porch just so tight so musically. Mm-hmm tight you know jam present tense immortality any any of some of those songs where it's just you know they just get really they go some they go somewhere deep that makes you feel it that's uh that's when the job's been done yeah and you know that's you know people will compare them to you know grateful dead and fish and stuff like that i think probably in part because of those jams and stuff and you know also because they'll change up their set lists and stuff like that but i think it's that was real i don't know i think inspired of of I think it was Jeff who said, it's like, oh, you know, I want to like jam like Neil Young and stuff. And that's why they put jam in their, uh, in their name. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I, you know, I didn't, I never really, I never really thought of Neil Young as a, as a, as a jammer, if you will, because the record, you know, the studio versions, you know, typically of the songs aren't like that, but you know, I did see him, I have seen him once. It was on acoustic set, so he wasn't really jammy there, but I can definitely see where that, you know, and his whole influence over the band probably, yeah, they probably was just a lot of. I'm sure those um, mirror ball sessions were just really. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff on tape from that too that we maybe one day will hear. Because I bet, yeah, I bet that was a good education. Well, I think that was just recorded over four days, like two weekends. So I think that's what pretty much everything that he did is is on the record. There might be like one or two. There might be a, maybe a couple alternate takes or something like that. But I think like all the songs are. Can you imagine? I mean, you, you were in a band. Can you imagine just putting down a record and you know, four days. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, after some, after a lot I mean, of practice, know, probably. <laughs> well, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure that's true. Just you know, the, you think to yourself, these guys all just show up. They all just show up from you know on their bicycle, their car, whatever. You know, just like they're uh, you know the beginning of single video theory there, and it's like they all just show up and they just get just bang, just you know they knock it out. But no, I guess there's a lot of. There's a lot that goes into before you roll the tape, I'm sure, because that all costs money. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it depends on how fancy you're going to get, too. I mean, if you're just kind of like, okay, you know, no, you know, just like, like guitar, guitar, okay, mic that up, and drums, okay, we'll do it. Okay, it's recorded. Eh, we're done. We'll just, you know, record the vocals. Okay, that's it. Right. Pan them out. Right, right. There you go. You're done. Hmm. Or, you know, and then you got something like gigaton or something like that it's like okay you got these keyboards we gotta you know, let's like cut this up or move the stuff around and you're making a record as much as you are just recording right a record too because you gotta like piece everything together piece it all together all these are you know effects of you know spatial audio and all this stuff you're adding to it yeah it's crazy gigaton was not made in four days that's for sure no <laughs> you can get like uh one one take in four days or something like that or maybe uh right i don't know right it's like i got all my vocals done in four days for this one song with the with the overdubs yeah even that one what was that uh what was the one single that they released that you'll be talking about in seven and a half years um, <laughs> Dance get the clairvoyance? no no get it back get it back oh yeah, yeah, yeah. like even even that thing sounds so in, like heavily produced you're like yeah that's mm-hmm. mm. <laughs> um I think there's some possible references in the lyrics in this song. Um, 
says he's uh, going to the dog shows. Which is, uh, I don't know if it means like the dog is in Temple of the Dog, or right. I know there's like Star Dog Champion or something is a is a Mother Love Bone lyric, but well, I always thought that I thought I had heard somewhere that you know, that Andy uh, Wood was like like because there's the song Call Me a Dog. I thought that was you know I thought that there was a correlation was about Andy Wood that he you know he was a dog or people called him a dog or that was his mm-hmm. nickname or something like that. But I I could be I could be very wrong about that. But if the band was you know Temple Temple of the Dog House of you know Temple of Andy because it was all a tribute to Andy. I don't I don't know. Temple of the Dog itself is a reference in the song Man of Golden Words. Seems I've been living in the temple of the dog. Right. The right. Billion, don't want to cry like a billion dollar baby, which there's uh, the Al Cooper album, Billion Dollar Baby Babies. Uh, the musical billion dollar baby <laughs> which i prob- probably uh, uh, i don't know if it was a uh, was in the 40s or something like that is a uh, about prohibition or something like that i don't know yeah i yeah i probably know. not probably not. I, <laughs> probably yeah it probably wasn't tied to that one um i would guess it was tied to the alice cooper you know what i mean cuz andy was uh any anything you've ever seen or heard you know he was quite the he was going to be the next sort of David Lee Roth, if you will. I mean, he was just very, very, very showy, mm-hmm. very, you know, kind of, kind of, gl- you know, all those, you think about all those sort of glam guys, you know, uh, even David Bowie, even, um, you know, T-Rex with, uh, uh, what was his name? Uh, Mark, Bol- Mark Bolin, um, you know, any of those kind of glam acts, you know, it seemed like that was kind of what the direction he was going to be now whether that would have worked or not at the time i mean i don't know record executives seem to think it was but i don't know it's interesting if that would have you know if in the woulda coulda shoulda game would that have actually worked out or would that have just been a um you know horrible death that that you know the dirtiness the the stringy hairness of act of guns and roses was that gonna you know you know, they, they put an end to the rest of the sort of hair metal. So it was, mm-hmm. you know, was was Andy Wood going to be perceived as a hair metal guy, even though the music behind him wasn't going to be hair metal, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's also the uh, wearing a long white leather coat, purple glasses and glitter in your hairs reference to uh, his his way of dress. Yes, a plethora, a plethora of outfits. <laughs> Let's see, there's also um, my message of love. I think they Andy called Mother Love Bone Love Rock. I think is what he said that they were their genre was. Yeah. I could see, I could, you know, I could see him saying that. Uh, yeah, it's kind of cool that they uh, they put this out on as, as the uh, as a single for that year. I think this was also their first ten inch that they did as well. 
simply because you know the song is like 10 minutes so this was the, the other side the other side was uh i believe in miracles right mm-hmm. I, I well i don't have this one um on vinyl so no. you'd, you'd be the one that would know so this came out this was a full size no it's it's a little bit smaller than it but it's bigger than the uh the other ones which are seven inches so the seven inch 45 it's bigger than that yeah because like i didn't start getting you know i think i said this before you know i'm such a fool like i didn't start getting the vinyl till and of course now they're done but i mean i didn't start getting them till i don't know maybe eight seven or eight years ago now and Mm -hmm. uh and i don't even i don't have a vinyl player so i mean they just you know i just keep you know i i I have them thinking someday i'm going to get a vinyl player i have that third man records too i've never opened up but i'm like you know someday i need to get a vinyl player i guess because right now i just i'm such a fool so a 10 inch so it still played at 33 uh, I think it's thirty three. I don't know. I haven't. I haven't. Uh, have it over on my on my stereo. Yeah. Well, you got you got a uh, you got kids moved out now. You can convert some rooms into I don't know art studio or gym or make make it your stereo room. And... Well, it's funny you say that. My yeah, my son did leave his turntable, so I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go check out. Uh, you know the quality of it here, and and yeah, you know it's. Yeah, the house is rather quiet now, so we've actually been playing quite a, quite a bit of quite a bit of music rather uh, loudly to try to make up for the you know emptiness of three kids off to college. Yeah, see, there you go. Ah, there you go. Yeah, I like it. So perfect. I will. I'll, I'll, I'll pull out his turntable. It's not like he's Get a some you know, big old speakers and <laughs> right, right. Get it, yeah, crank it back up. Party like we used to. <laughs> that's what that's that's what it's all about right that's well that's what they say that you know it's uh it's that's what they say well we it's it's very fresh for us but we'll uh you know you go from zero to three kids in 14 months and then we go from three kids to zero kids in like three weeks and and you know it was uh it was a kind of a whirlwind and so we the uh the house has been real clean that's cool um <laughs> you know that the house has been real clean the dishwasher is real sad because it's only getting operated like you know once a week now and you know with just a few coffee mugs and you know a couple glasses in it doors to pantries are always closed you don't have to walk around closing them. doors to pantries are always closed yeah i don't like i went yesterday to go get gas and like my grocery bonus points didn't exist because i haven't been to the store in like a month <laughs> and yeah it's, it's it's i'm like oh wait i don't have any I have no bonus points here oh yeah i don't think i bought anything it's like, oh, there's nothing fun to eat around the house now that the kids are gone off. Oh, yeah, man. like I am so <laughs> sick of pine nuts. Like, yeah, give me a break, you know. Like, where's give me some, give me some, you know, Reese's puffs or something like that. Let's go. <laughs> Didn't have the excuse. Oh, no, it's for the kids. That's uh yeah, that's why we're getting it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to get you into shape. That's great. That's <laughs> great. I will I will I will bust out his turntable. Um, had you listen to temple the dog much like did you did you go back after listening to pearl jam and and seek him out yeah if i remember right i i'm trying to remember if i went and bought temple of the dog at the local record store or if i had it because i already had i already had 10 and i already had the single soundtrack and i don't remember i believe temple of the dog Yes, in fact, I, I should know this in doing this episode, and I'm embarrassed I don't, but Temple of the Dog was released before Versus, right? I think it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I had singles and I had 10, and I got Temple of the Dog. I don't remember if I got it at the record store or if I got it lumped into one of my, you know, 10 CDs for a dollar thing from BMG Music Club or whatever, but 
I remember getting it and, and, you know, wanting it. And I, yeah, I've listened to it. I listened to Temple of Dog a lot. That's why I was, you know, I, I'd love to see if those shows ever come out. I, uh, despite, this is actually kind of, it was my gateway back. You know, I said earlier, I wasn't really a fan of Chris Cornell. And, I, you know, I always liked these songs. You know, I'm looking at the thing now, like, you know, All Night Thing is another great one. Times of Trouble, you know, because I in Times of Trouble was, you know, it was essentially footsteps. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I I knew that kind of correlation, and and so yeah, I have I've always liked Temple of the Dog. There, it's I, I don't remember how many shows they did on that tour. You know, I think it was like twelve, maybe or fifty. I don't know, maybe something like in that number. But those people, I think, got to see something real special. And the videos I've seen of them online, it just they look like they were great shows. It, it's it's a bummer to think that that won't happen again. Yeah. And it looks like the uh, the Temple of the Dog record came out April sixteenth, ninety one. So it came out a couple months before ten. Actually, it came out before ten. Then that's right. Okay. Yeah, right. but I don't think people started paying attention to it until after ten came out, and they're like, "Oh, we have this other thing that's the the uh, Soundgarden and Pearl Jam Supergroup." I think like I remember going to um where the warehouse where they had like the the long box of it. So it was like the big, huge, right, right, yellow vertical box, and I think I remember seeing the sticker on there saying, "Oh, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, or something like that." Yeah, not getting it, of course. Then, yeah, I think but, I um, think maybe you're right. Maybe I and maybe I had seen it because I think I became aware. I'm going to say I became aware of Temple of the Dog, and it happened essentially one right after the other, and I don't know which was which. I either saw a little because I, I used to subscribe to Rolling Stone magazine, so I either saw a little snippet in there that was talking about it or I perhaps just, you know, saw the hunger strike video and then it was like, wait, that's Eddie Vedder. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that, and I think that's, that's what, that's kind of what the record executives were trying to, you know, I mean, I think that was all part of the wave that took this thing over the top, the, that whole music scene of the time. It, it almost makes you wonder, but I mean, you know, Pearl Jam was so successful and really so was Soundgarden. It just makes you, you know, wonder if they, ever did any more stuff that's in a vault or if they, you know, or if the talk ever came there to do more stuff because they, they certainly all, they worked, they, they all played well together. Mm-hmm. Those boys got along nicely together. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, that one, I know that I got Temple of the Dog from the, uh, the four CDs for a penny, whichever one, BMG or Columbia house or whatever like that. I know I got that from, from them. And the CD has like the the little thing on the inside that says "Oh, printed for blah 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 blah." Instead of the barcode on the back. Oh right, got... so there you go. Actually, I'm looking at mine, and I have a barcode. So there's you're right. So I actually bought mine. I bought mine, I guess, at the store. That's right. My mother, Love Bone, uh, has the uh, little BMG thing on it. I know okay. that. <laughs> yeah. See, that's how, that's how that's that's the way it was, kids. You'd get uh, some weird things. You'd you'd run some scams before before you download illegally. You would uh. Uh, sign up for these uh fake record club things under assumed names and you know never pay uh <laughs> never never fulfill your contract you know <laughs> you've got me right you've got me looking through this now and it's funny like my uh my mirror ball was bmg <laughs> i got a whole bunch of bmg stuff up there mirror, mirror ball uh mother love on must just anything that began with an m came from, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah you know as you're looking down that list you know you kind of Get a couple of uh, of hunks in there, and they're alphabetical. It's like, oh, hey, yeah, let's just do these. Right. Right. <laughs> um, let's see. Is there anything else about this? You know, Brandon, you 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 did all the legwork on this one. I 
you know, I loved the song. I I couldn't find a ton of stuff in it. I was looking in, in the Pearl Jam 20 book and, you know, and I just, and for me, so no, I don't really have anything more. I just, this song is just such a, um, it's, uh, what do I want to say? It's untapped. You know, I mean, they could play this song to death because, you know, I just feel that they, they really, as a band, feel this, like, you know, it's like I said, this, they just feel this whole sort of jam, you know, vocalist aside, there's a song here and they all seem to really get into it with their parts. So no, I, I don't, uh, it, it just seems like one of those things that every time they get into it, they really like exploring the space. Mm-hmm. And so maybe, maybe they'll get it back out there someday. Cause it's a, it's a, it's a great song really, really makes me feel something every time I hear it. Yeah. And I think especially, you know, the sort of symmetry synchronicity or whatever with, uh, Chris Cornell passing too. I think that, um, around that time i think they were playing like say hello to heaven a lot or something like that or, or people were talking about it a lot just because you know it's kind of like oh you know andy wood died and he wrote this song for him and then so then chris grinnell dies and right. there's this song he wrote right. for him and it's kind of it's yeah it's it's very it's it's, it's tragic it's, it's tragic is what it is but yeah cut you deep yeah um so then let's try to uh end on a brighter note <laughs> than by right. uh, let's see we 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 know uh when you first heard of pearl jam we also know uh what pearl jam means to you uh what one thing i think that 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 listeners want to know then bob since uh you've you've been on a couple episodes now and uh, i think we want to know what your pearl jam album rankings are all right, and, well, and and of course we have to go from and from least favorite to favorite, and of course right. you know as everybody knows who's a fan of Pearl Jam, your your rankings might change day by day, what mood you're in, you know you'll pop in binaural after not listening to it for a while, I'm like you know what this is a lot better than I remember it being, and it just changes everything up. So right. don't blame Bob if if uh, if if your results vary. Right, because I can tell you now that my results will be different from other people's. I, you know, I know that going into it. But and thanks for making me have this moment of reality where I realized how much therapy I need as I tried to, you know, I went through like a half a <laughs> ream of paper, really trying to, because, because yes, it does change all the time. But for all of the listeners that want to know my rankings, that's impressive. And you'll have to give them my email so they can scream at me because they will. But um I, the only criteria I used in this and, you know, cause I should at least say I had some criteria. So for me, it was about putting on an album. And as stated earlier in this show, I don't have vinyl. So for me, putting in an album is putting in a CD and going from the first song to the last song nonstop. Like that's so kind of how I approached this is what full album do I want to listen to beginning to end? It's not about, oh, this one has my favorite song or this one has my favorite song. Some of that's mm-hmm. all true. It's just a matter of which album beginning to end. So having said all of that, my 11th favorite, and again, they're all my favorite, and I don't ever poo-poo. If any, I hear any of these songs live, I don't go, oh, God, this is one of those songs off that album. No, I mean, I love all of them. But my number 11th album is Riot Act. It's, uh, I won't go, you know, I won't go 40 minutes into everything. Riot Act is just, it's heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's a hard mood for me to get into. You know, I did talk on this show about Green Disease. I do love the song Green Disease, but I find myself skipping a lot of songs. I don't, for me, it doesn't really flow. Don't really love 
Riot Act as an album. I love music off of it individually, but that's that. So my number 10, probably not surprising after what I just said, would be uh, Avocado. I um, Again, Avocado for me is, it's a hard mood to get into. I know what the album was symbolizing, what it was representing, and, you know, but there's a whole mood behind it, and it's just kind of a mood I don't really want to get into mm-hmm. you know what i mean it makes me think it makes it makes me think of a time that you know and i mean hindsight being 2020 right but it's you know things were kind of sort of bad at that time mm-hmm. and not necessarily for me but just you know politically and whatever that was all cakewalk but I, so you know i just can't really get in the mood for that one either beginning to end so number nine is where people are going to start wanting to hunt me down and spit in my face Number nine for me is Phytology. Phytology for me, and you know, it starts from the day I bought it, right? And the CD didn't fit on the shelf the way I wanted it to because, <laughs> and, and that sounds like a stupid thing, but it was like, okay, what's this? And then, you know, you're going through and you've got Pry 2 and you've got Iadabanita uh-huh. and Foxy Mop. And I'm like, fuck, man, I waited in line, you know, and, you know, I mean, I like bugs, and, you know, but for me, the deal is Phytology is an amazing it's an amazing piece of art. It's an amazing art piece, but it's not one I connect with, you know, and I just, it's just, I don't connect with it. I don't necessarily know why. I always thought the record should have started with Spin the Black Circle. So that's always kind of pissed me off. It's kind of like Andy Warhol's painting of the Campbell's Soup tomato can. Like that means something to somebody and they put it in a museum, but I'm like, it's a painting of a soup can. I just don't, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't, I don't connect with it. You know what I mean? So, you know, do I love a lot of the songs on Vitology, I do, but there's actually a lot of songs on Vitology like I don't really care for. You know, people always talk about, you know, Evenflow being their bathroom song. I'm like, as soon as Better Man starts, like I'm getting beer and I'm going to the bathroom because I didn't pay to sing the song myself. And like that song just drives me nuts a little bit, but whatever. People are going to throw stuff at me. But number eight uh, is Binaural. Mm-hmm. There are no songs on Binaural that I skip. You know, like I, you know, that was my criteria before. I skip songs on Riot Act. I skip songs on Avocado. I skip songs on Vitology. I don't skip any, but again, this is one you have to be in a mood for. Um, It's kind of dark. And the other thing that was unique for me when I was doing these sort of rankings is this album for me, the songs on it are sort of a victim of the boot when they started releasing the bootlegs in 2000, Mm -hmm. because I got really into those bootlegs and that was all on the binaural tour. So I've heard all these songs a lot. I've heard grievance a lot. I've heard, uh, you know what I mean? I've heard these songs a lot, but I like, but I like it. Uh, I have no skippers on this one, but I just, I've, uh, I got to get in the mood. I do like, I do like the way it starts. Breaker falls a great opener. Um, Number seven for me is lightning bolt. Like it a lot. Uh, No skippers on there for me. I know that that's not a popular take, but Mm-hmm. You know, just like I said, Vitology was a piece of art that I didn't connect with. This is one that I do. Um, number six is Backspacer. Uh, I know people like to hate on Backspacer, but for me, it's 45 minutes. It's their shortest album. Like, what's there to not, you know, what's there to not like? And I and I realize that this one flows better for me than um, Avocado. Like, so anyway, whatever. Backspacer is number six. Number five uh, is No Code. I do find myself once in a while, perhaps skipping over I'm Open. You know, but I do like Mankind. And so, you know, on Backspacer, I should also throw out that I will on occasion skip the end because that's just a horrible way to end a record mm-hmm. <laughs> for me. So anyway, five is No Code. Four is Gigaton. 
Uh, really like that record. There's no skippers on there for me. I like them all. I'm hoping to hear what those sound like live. Number three is yield. Number two is 10, which means number one for me, listening to it beginning to end over and over and over about a thousand times as I have is verses. And it goes back and forth under that criteria between 10, you know, if I, if you counted the times, I've obviously played 10 more than I've played verses because I had it that much longer, but I liked, I liked verses a little bit better. It showed a little more depth to the band and mm-hmm. uh, I can listen to that one all day long. I can listen to all of them. If someone puts it on, I don't change the channel, <laughs> but I might, you know, I'm going to skip some songs off Riot Act. I'm going to skip some songs off Avocado. So anyway, so there it is. That's, that's the rankings. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks a lot for, uh, for sharing with us, everybody. You know, if you have your own rankings of albums, you can uh, get at me and do, uh, come on the show and uh, give me some, uh, give me some uh, content to make uh, these episodes out of. We can dork out about Pearl Jam. Right. If this doesn't enrage people and make them want to come, you know, do, uh, do, do an episode, then yeah, your you response know. episode. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, I think that's, that's, that's it for this show, right? I think we've covered it all. Brandon, thanks for, uh, putting all the, uh, legwork in for this one. I, I feel like I, uh, kind of just went along for the ride and didn't, uh, give you much to bite off of there but uh it's yeah love it great song thanks for having me the better brain podcast was produced by brandon palomo and published using a creative commons attribution share alike 4.0 license please visit creativecommons.org or email listenupreno at gmail.com for more details all music played is owned by the respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from betterbandpod.com using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Better Band Pod. I am on Twitter at Brandon P, B-R-A-N-D-E-N-P. If you would like to support this podcast, you can go to either ko-fi.com slash Brandon P or patreon.com slash Brandon P. You can also just give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, but don't forget to tell your friends. If you would like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbandpod at gmail.com or send any insights and stories you'd like to share and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest Bob and as always, this is Brandon saying, Ooh, look Marge, Maggie lost her baby legs. <laughs>